maybe you're like me and you were born and raised in the church, we can get a little comfortable and blasé with the Word of God when what a gift it is and what a tool it is and what a weapon it is for the tearing down of strongholds. And it is a way that we rise up over our circumstances. And so as much as the power of praise is a weapon of warfare, God's Word is a weapon. God does not play. And what He says goes. And His Word is truth. And the lies that are being spewed at us, and it's only going to get worse, friends. The days we're living in, it's only going to get worse. We need that compass, and we need that anchor and that foundation of the Word of God. You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Happy New Year, Altered Stories listeners. Goodbye, 2020. And hello, 2021. Welcome to the Altered Stories Podcast, Episode 47, Michelle's Rising Up God Story. Thanks for listening to the show today. This is Michelle Saunders, that's your chief storyteller of the Altered Stories show. Friends, I hope you all had a great Christmas and are ready to get back on track with achieving your 2021 goals, as we all know that 2020 was a hot mess. Even though 2020 was a hot mess, God still was at work and truly blessed our faithfulness to helping transform women's lives through the power of Jesus Christ through the God stories we shared. To start 2021 off, I'm excited to share some recent wins for the the Altered Story Show. On Christmas Day, we were accepted on Pandora, which has a listening audience of 72.4 million listeners. We also continue to grow our show in other countries and now can be heard in 30 countries, including the U.S., and our listening audience continues to grow. I'm also excited to share that there is a great guest lineup for the show this year, including my guest today, and I can't wait to share some God stories with you. I hope to be able to continue to release two to three God stories a month. I'm also working on some rebranding for the podcast, so stay tuned. I also wanted to share my word for 2021, as God impressed on me the need for alignment. As the CEO and founder of Altered Stories Ministry, and being a visionary, you must not only have vision, but you need to mostly have alignment. I, along with our team, must check that our actions are aligned with our purpose. So now it's time to get this show started. Friends, today I am excited to welcome my first guest of 2021. Her name is Michelle Samadaruf from the Sacramento, California area. She is a passionate Christian single mother of four children, Maddie, Brian, Caleb, and Bella. She's an educator and a health coach. Today, Michelle is going to share her powerful and inspirational God story of rising up from many setbacks that includes a divorce and cancer that she has encountered in her life. Hi, Michelle. 
Welcome to the show. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm chilly here in Sacramento, but I'm so excited to be here. This is my first podcast, Michelle. I'm excited. Well, hey, I'm blessed to have you on the show. And as I shared earlier, I, I'm wearing this beanie for you in honor of you. I love your beanies, girl. You're so inspiring. Even though we got snow in Kansas City, you know, I just said, okay, I'm going to put on this pink beanie for this gal because she is inspiring. So I had to I do let love you know my, that. I do love my hats. That's for sure. I do. Yeah. So how was your Christmas? It was wonderful. Um, relaxing. I'm a teacher on break. So uh, currently, I don't know what day it is. If you ask a teacher on break, they don't even... The, the in-between Christmas and New Year's is all a blur, but a big happy blur. So it was wonderful. Um, my oldest daughter is home from college. So my daughter Maddie is home for a pretty good chunk of time. She goes to school in Seattle, Washington, so it's been great to have all four of my chickadees home under one nest. And it's been slow moving. I still have this week off before I need to return to the classroom. So savoring lots of uh, fires in the fireplace and movies and uh, just family together time. So it, it was just blessed and relaxing. And I got a pink KitchenAid mixer for my kids. Oh, for that awesome kitchen that you just had remodeled. I know that was a doozy of a remodel, but I, the little pink mixer, completely unnecessary, but a total sweet blessing. My kids heard me mention that I always kind of wanted one in that color. And so that was unexpected and a treat. Well, I'll tell you what, I honor you for being the mom you are. You're simply amazing. And you deserve that hot mama title. You know, <laughs> I, I'm serious, gal. I don't hate keep up with all this children of yours. I mean, I know some of them are adults now, but there's a lot that goes into that. So, and I think your daughter that's in college, didn't she get straight A's? She did just get straight A's, which there was a lot of contending there um, to take place. You know, navigating, I, I feel like... Um, in motherhood, we never arrive. We think we we get through the terrible twos and and the sassy teens. And currently, I've got three teens, and then my oldest is twenty. But there's a lot of navigating in that those college years. You know, when you think you've arrived but you haven't. And um, her freshman and sophomore year was a little bit of a struggle of navigating and finding her way and you know, a relationship with a boy that didn't work out and all the things that come with trying to adult and finding your place in a new city. And um, she's a music ministry major and, and um, leads worship. And uh, there was a lot of contending and I was really, really proud of her. God has um, planted her in a great city and planted her with good people to support her. And um, I was really proud. It was, it was her first time getting a 4.0 in college. So that was a big deal to her. Wow. That is, <laughs> yeah, that is huge. And I understand what you mean. I have an only child, an only daughter. And now, of course, a beautiful grandbaby. Um, it's just the joy of my life. But I will tell you that those first couple of college years were rough. You know, it's just rough. And you don't expect that, right? Or anticipate that. So kudos to you for working through that and uh, looking forward to seeing more about what's going on in your story there. But so 
as we're getting to know you a little better before you share your inspiring God story with us, I just would love kind of to hear from you. What is your favorite scripture? Um, and do you have a, a favorite worship song? Gosh, the, the worship songs fluctuate, but I definitely have um, a favorite currently. I love the song, um, Goodness of God. Uh, it's by Bethel Worship, I think. And that's been a current favorite. And I was reminded because we just sang it. I'm a little bit plugged up because I'm cold, but it's, it's all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. That's kind of the tune of it. Um, just it, It's about, I will sing of the goodness of God. And that's one that's been on repeat for me nonstop. Love that that song um, currently. And a verse that I have, I've got many, but one that I love is Psalm 27, 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And you can kind of see a theme in terms of the goodness of God. Um, he is good and he's been good to me my entire life. And um, I think as we grow and go through trials and raise our babies and living in a crazy 2020 that we just lived through, it's still standing on that promise that God is good. So that's definitely been thematic through my life. Yes. And God bless you for that. Because today I know he really impressed on me to put a Facebook post out there. God is faithful. And that's really all I felt I needed to post. So I think you and I are tracking, sister. I think we're tracking. Amen. So, okay. <laughs> Well, so this is a great segue, Michelle. I mean, I know your God story is full of redemption and healing, provision, mercy, and your story truly has inspired many. I know you're, you've shared it at your church and you've shared it on YouTube. You're sharing it. God has given you openings. I know you're sharing it. So why don't you tell my listeners today how your God story began that brought you to where you are today? Yeah. Wow. Um, thank you. Humbled. Uh, as God opens doors, I've always said, I'm just this hot mess of a mom. You called me hot mom. I call myself a hot mess of a mom, but willing um, and a willing vessel. And, and that really is it. And so uh, I always tell people when I share, I'm not scripted, I'm messy. And I always envision if we were having coffee across the table from each other and you know, you and I pulled up a cup of coffee and we were chatting and I can't see all your listeners up, out there and they don't know me per se, but I envisioned them sitting across from a table, grabbing a cup of coffee with me. And it's, it's just real and it's just life. But I think in going back, it probably started uh, around the age when I was 19 years old. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home and my dad was on the board of our church uh, but I go back to the age of 19 because our family, our quote unquote, perfect little white picket fence family was rocked when my father committed suicide. It was a huge blow to our family and to our church. Uh, no signs of it coming. And I think at that moment, that was when fear really took a foothold in my life. I uh, am a bit of a controlling person. I like to say that I'm a girl with a plan, but but really it's control. It, it's control. Let's be real. I just say I, we need a plan. I'm I'm the I'm the one that uh, keeps things going and has a plan. And I became a teacher, so I can have a plan all the time. But really, it's control. And 
if we're not careful, a lack of control, fear sets in and, and when we can't control things. And at that moment, the facade, I guess, of perfection in our family was broken. And when something like that happens to somebody that's close to you, it, it, you wrestle with it. You don't recover from it right away, if ever. And grief is a really different thing and, and looks differently for people. But uh, it shook me. And I carried it. I think about my sophomore year in college when that happened. And I went back to school and I held on to it. And it really, I think I tucked it away and was like, okay, gosh, I've got to keep loved ones close to me. I've got to keep control over this. I didn't realize it at the time, but it did. And I took that fear into my adult years for sure. And ultimately into my marriage, I graduated from Seattle Pacific University and met a young man at the church I attended. And we were launched into ministry. And I think often in the church world, having been born and raised, I think that the church sometimes does that with young people where, okay, there's some great, passionate, outgoing kids. We launched them. Sometimes there's not a whole lot of discipleship that comes with it. And in our case, I think that was probably a little bit of the circumstance and that we were young and thrust into ministry. My husband, newly married, there's a lot that that I kind of question in terms of, gosh, was was this a struggle for him going into our marriage? Did these struggles arise after we were married? But I think looking back, there was a lot that my husband, who was young, 20 years old when we got married, uh, struggled with. I know a pornography addiction uh, that he felt he couldn't talk about. And he carried that into our marriage. Me, of course, having no idea, right? And here we are in pastoral ministry and cracks in the marriage started to surface probably about one year into our marriage where I stumbled on to his addiction. And I think what you do as a Christian young woman, I'm a believer in marriage and, and okay, you know, we're going to fix this. And the big mistake I made at that time, because remember control is, okay, I'm going to handle this and I'm not going to be honest with anyone about it. We probably should have pulled somebody into getting help with that right away, but uh, I didn't. I think I let shame surface a little bit and I brushed it under the rug and it grew like things do when, when there's an issue, things grow and, and they surface and we didn't. And that crack in the marriage became a bigger crack and there was more under the surface. And throughout our marriage, I think I kept trying to put the bandaid on it. And we ultimately went on to have our oldest. Um, so the birth of our first baby, which Babies don't fix things either. I, there's happiness that comes with it, but it puts another strain on the marriage. And we lived our life that way for a long time, in and out of ministry, different churches, uh, being let go from different churches because of little behaviors in my husband that I would see. There was an addictive personality. And at the time, I was grappling again with a lot of that fear do I tell someone about this? Did I marry the wrong person? Did I not pray hard enough about who I was supposed to marry? Because remember, I was a Jesus girl. I had loved Jesus my whole entire life. 
And I was struggling with this and I kept feeling like, okay, he's going to get it together. We're going to get it together. Ultimately, I decided to tell a friend, a Christian friend that was a mentor that I trusted about some of the issues in, in our marriage and brought them into it. She and her husband into it. They were mentors that we trusted. Uh, but that proved to not be enough. And we went on to have more children. And I think there were seasons where things were smooth and then seasons where it was really rocky. And the longer we were married, we ended up being married for about 13 years. I can remember feeling, and if anyone listening has been in that kind of a relationship where you feel like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, it's a really unsettling place to be. And especially as a believer to be. And in those moments, more things started to reveal themselves an alcohol problem. I think whenever there's an addictive type of personality, it's kind of, they say where there's one rat, there's 20, like you start to dig a little bit and, and what we try to fester and hide, the Lord wants to bring to light. But when we don't bring it to light, you know, it just festers and grows. And so there was more and it really became where I realized I had married somebody with a lot of addictive issues, you know, before we even probably entered into matrimony and it just grew. And I was faced now uh, with three kids, one newly, one getting ready to be born, uh, number four on the way and going, what am I going to do? At that time, I had not been in the classroom full time. I'm now this going to be this mom of four. And I really became fearful um, about the marriage falling apart. I, I was a big believer in marriage and I still am at all costs. I always tell people, I have women that reach out to me all the time. And uh, I will tell you, uh, there's a reason that God hates divorce and all that comes with it. Um, I'm the biggest believer in trying to salvage. But I remember, I think I drug my husband to, to counseling at one point. I, I got him to go meet with someone and, and his words were, you know, not a chance you know, and you know what, that we're going to fix this or that I want to. And so what do you do? And so the birth of Bella uh, happened in June of 2007. And it was about two months after that, that I found myself a single mom of four. And I remember it was almost surreal because I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I was in a car driving back from Seattle, Washington to Sacramento, California, where I was born and raised. My brother had met me and was driving my Durango loaded up with my kids. And at that time I was just driving back to where my family was, where my mom was, where my siblings were, because I thought if I'm going to do this, I'm going to need help. And I also knew that the divorce was probably going to be contentious. And at that time when I was driving and I was just feeling the heaviness of it all. And I'm, I was thinking of a verse in Ezra that that I had opened up to in devotions randomly, I think the day before. And, and the verse was this, it said, rise up, the matter is in your hands. We will support you. So take courage and do it. And I remember at that time thinking, rise up. Are you even kidding me, Lord? <laughs> how does one rise up? How do I, how do I rise up for this, from this? How, where, you know, how is there happiness again? How do I do that? You know, when you feel like you can't breathe, when you feel like you can't pick yourself up off the floor, when I've got four little ones that literally at that time were seven and under, 
my youngest being two months old, how do you, how do you rise up and take courage from that? And I turned on a worship song because worship has always been instrumental in my life. And there was a song on the radio. And I don't know if you remember that song. I think it was planet shakers that saying it called healer. I believe you're my healer. I believe you are all I need. I believe you're my portion. You're more than enough for me. And as the words to that song started playing throughout the car, I just wept and I started singing along with it. And as I did, Michelle, something broke in me. And and there's been a few times in my life. I mean, a lot of times where I have felt the presence of God, obviously, but there have been some monumental moments that I can count on one hand that I physically felt almost something supernatural happen and lift off of me. And for the first time in my life, fear, the fear going all the way back to when I was 19 years old and my dad died, the fear that kind of landed on my shoulders, the fear of trying to keep a marriage together, you know, walking on eggshells, what's going to happen, trying to help my husband conquer these addictions, the fear of keeping it all together, the fear of being a single mom, it lifted. It lifted in the car that day. And it didn't mean that I was never scared of anything again. It is the foothold that fear had on me broke that day. And I actually discovered in the car that day, as I was listening to that worship song, one of the ways we rise up. I went back to that devotion, rise up. We rise up through the power of praise. And praise became new and instrumental and a weapon of warfare for me in that moment. I've always loved worship. I've always loved praise, but I had never, ever looked at it as a weapon of warfare. Never. But the Bible is full of stories. One of them being about King Jehoshaphat. I don't know if your listeners know him, but he was a young king and was gearing up for battle. And before the battle, he brought all his people together, women, children, his soldiers. And he didn't like guard up his warriors with armor. He didn't map out a big battle plan. It said they praised God at the top of their lungs. And then he sent in the choir first. He sent in the worshipers first and the battle was won that day. And so that story took on new meaning to me. And I thought, okay, I'm the single mom of four and there's going to be ugly court battles and I have no idea how we're going to pay our bills. And my youngest is only two months old. I do not even know where we're going to land or where we're going to live, but I do know that we are going to praise God in the midst of the storm. I'm going to implement it like I am almost mad as heck at the devil. And when I'm feeling that fear rise up in me, we're going to praise. And what did that look like? Well, my kids and I actually called it crazy praise. And it actually is a term that we still use. And crazy praise meant that I would get a bill that I had no idea where the money was going to come from, but we'd praise God through the provision. We would crank praise music in our home. We would post scriptures that had to do about praising God and we would declare it. We would declare it in a different way, in a way of boldness. Um, And I am telling you what, I saw things break. Uh, I saw God provide. I saw miraculous ways where he would use people that I didn't even know from Adam to meet our needs. I saw God provide a job for me. I saw God 
empower my children at young ages. And I saw that them get to firsthand see Jehovah Jireh, our provider, um, to see the power of praise, how we can use that as a weapon. Um, I think it's no accident today that my oldest is a worship ministry major in college. And, um, she is powerful on how she leads worship. And she was seven at that time and watching it and navigating it. And, uh, I would say to those of you that are listening that maybe that's a new concept for you of the power of praise, of using praise and rising up over your circumstances, but do it. I still do it. I have to do it often Um, because let me tell you that fear is sneaky and the enemy is good at rattling our cages and nothing like uh, a pandemic in 2020 to rattle some cages in our lives. Am I right? I mean, you've got, good gracious loss and grief and fear like I have never seen before. Um, Fear coming at us um, from all different ways. And you know what? Fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. And it's a liar um, and a tool that the enemy uses um, to shake us, to distract us, to get get us off course, to cause division. um, And honestly, ultimately to paralyze us from moving forward into all that God has for us. So, uh, one of the ways that really the Lord revealed to me that, that we can rise up was through the power of praise. And, and I remember clearly that moment driving in my car. Uh, and so on that journey landed us back in Sacramento. God provided a teaching job. We landed at uh, a wonderful private school where my kids were on the campus that I taught at. And honestly, if you had to be the the working mom with the young kids, we could not have landed at a better spot. I was able to pop in to my kids' classrooms. And honestly, I still teach at the school today. I have three of my four kids, obviously, that now attend there. My middles, as I call them, uh, are juniors this year. And my baby is now in eighth grade. And so to look at the God's faithfulness of, of how he even brought us to Sacramento and how we landed there um, is quite miraculous. And uh, praise was a big part of the journey. After landing at Capital Christian and, and kind of getting our footing in the midst of the whole single mom thing, and again, a really tumultuous divorce, I don't think there's a whole lot of happy divorces that, of people that I've known. A lot of times they are tumultuous. Ours was really ugly in and out of court, supervised visitation for my kids very tumultuous. And our friend fear was knocking at the door. Every time I got a text message from my ex, every time I got some kind of notification that we were going to be drugged back to court, you know, fear of what's going to happen to my kids. Are they going to be away from me? You know, all those things. And, uh, in the middle of it, I remember clear as day being on recess duty at our school. And I remember it was October. And the reason I remember is I remember what I was wearing. Sometimes monumental or traumatic moments in your life etch literally those moments into time. And I can remember what I was wearing. I was wearing a jean jacket. And it was one of those days in Sacramento where the mornings are kind of crisp. And then you're peeling off layers by the time you get to the afternoon. So I was, I must've been on morning recess duty. And I felt like I was wearing my jean jacket and I felt like something was kind of under my arm. 
and I kept going, something bugging me. I felt like it was a tag or something, a seam of the coat was bugger, bugging under my arm and I would feel around. I couldn't feel anything. And about the third time of me poking around, I, my finger went to a lump in my armpit and I had this moment where I'm like, that's not normal. That hasn't been there before. Something's off. And fear was definitely there. And I knew that I had struggled with fear. So I'm going, okay, I don't want to be dramatic. I started all the things that you do in terms of I should call the doctor. At that time, I was in my 30s, too young, even for a mammogram. And quite honestly, I had to really contend for my health and really push to get in for an appointment. I was blown off a little bit. Oh, it's fine. One appointment led to another, which led to another, which led to a phone call that nobody ever, ever wants to get saying, you have breast cancer. No history of it in my entire family. And I'm in my 30s, single mom, four kids, sitting in my classroom when I got a call from the doctor thinking, really, God? Because the whole single mom thing isn't enough. Really? Breast cancer? And it's, it's surreal. As much as we hear people getting those kinds of calls, you're numb, you're trying to process it all. And uh, fixer me, I'm a type three on the Enneagram. So I start with a plan. Okay, I'm going to formulate, right? That's what you do. You make a plan. So I had a, a really good friend who had battled breast cancer. I would say coincidentally, but we know nothing is coincidental with who God crosses our paths with. And literally the year before God had connected me with a friend, young mom who had battled breast cancer. And that relationship was a divine appointment because this friend was able to get me connected with, with the right doctors and give me good information that didn't overwhelm me, but to start assembling my team. And I can remember being outside weeping what's going to happen to my kids. And I can remember um, specific things of begging God for, please let me see my oldest graduate from high school. God, please, please. What's going to happen to my kids? Their dad is not serving the Lord at all. He doesn't even believe in God anymore. The relationship is tumultuous. All these things, my mind is going to worst case scenario. And again, the power of praise. I just worshiped and I let it wash over me. But I discovered another tool in that season. God always brings you what you need in that season. And I discovered another way we rise up over our circumstances. And it was the power of God's word. And I had grown up, like I mentioned before, a believer. I grew up in a Christian school where we had Bible memory test on Friday. Um, let me tell you though, when you are faced with your own mortality, the word of God becomes very new and very powerful to you. And there's a reason why it says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts through. And during that season, I so battled with my thought life. I so needed to stay on top of our friend fear that I had struggled with because let's be real, I would be minimizing and and being um very silly to say that, oh, don't be scared. I mean, you're battling cancer. That's something to be scared about. So I don't want to minimize that. But staying on top of your thought life when you are 
uh, going through traumatic situations is really important and not staying on top of it in a way to be naive, but staying in control and realizing who is in control. Let's be real. God is in control. We, we think we're in control of our days, but, but we're not. God really is the author of it all. And, and I think coming face to face with a diagnosis just makes you all the more aware of that. But I needed to stay on top of my thought life because I could easily go to a very dark place. As I went through uh, surgery, I had a double mastectomy. Uh, I don't know if it speaks to me that I'm go big or go home, but I was back in the classroom two weeks after that teaching. And, and then met with my doctor and we had found that although they had gotten it, there had been some that had been in the lymph node and they recommended chemo. So I went through grueling chemo, got down to about 90 pounds that year. And as I went to God's word, I decided I'm going to start writing scripture and I'm going to carry it around with me. And I don't know if you remember, Michelle, those old school little photo albums that were plastic that kind of flipped up and they had little designs on them and you'd slip the pictures in the plastic spots. Well, I, I had a friend that made one like that for me that was full of scriptures and she inserted my name into the scripture and, and I carried that with me everywhere. And I followed lead and I, I started posting scriptures all over like my classroom. I would say, you know, God, the enemy would be whispering to me. I mean, I would, I would be walking to my teacher's box to check and I could literally feel the enemy saying, you know, you're going to die. And I would be able to open the scripture and say, I will not die, but I will live to proclaim the goodness of God. And doctors can't heal you. Who do you think? You, you think a doctor's going to be able to heal you? And I could say, by his stripes, I am healed because I would just have that scripture posted and in my memory. And sometimes I couldn't even utter the words, but I could look at it and I could read it. And, and it would, it would just infiltrate my mind. And I began to just literally crave the word of God like never before. And I think to this season that we're living in all the lies that are out there, right? Everything that's being shouted at us, the division that's been going on in politics and families, all the ugliness, what we can stand on is the word of God because the word of God is truth. And I say to people, you know, I'm a teacher and I see these kids that are coming into the classroom and, and I teach at a Christian school and they don't know God's word. These kids do not know Bible stories. They don't know the word of God like I used to when I was growing up and they don't know it because their parents don't know it. We are in a fast paced society where we're moving towards the next big thing. And I just have to say, we need to get back to the basics and we need to get in our word. I grew up seeing a mom in her word every morning I would come downstairs and she would be in what we called her prayer chair with the Bible open. And it had an impact on me. And I thought that's how I want to see. I want my kids to see me that way. And it's okay. And it's never too late to get back to our roots. And to those of you listening, maybe, you know, a relationship with God or time with God is something foreign, or you don't know where to start in the Bible, open it, start posting scriptures that resonate with you, put them on your mirror when you're getting dressed in the morning, carry them with you, start with something small, like the Psalms that, that are just soothing and uplifting. And they were songs of worship that David declared, start small. For those of you that, that maybe you're like me and you were born and raised in the church, we can get a little comfortable and blase with the word 
children of God, when what a gift it is and what a tool it is and what a weapon it is for the tearing down of strongholds. And it is a way that we rise up over our circumstances. And so as much as the power of praise is a weapon of warfare, God's word is a weapon. God does not play. And what he says goes and his word is truth and the lies that are being spewed at us. And it's only going to get worse, friends. The days we're living in, it's only going to get worse. We need that compass and we need that anchor and that foundation of the word of God. And during that season of battling for my health, uh, the word of God was life and truth. And it was my foundation and it became alive again to me. I'm so grateful. I'm not grateful for cancer, but I'm so grateful for an, a reawakening in how precious our, our Savior is and His words are and His truth is, and, and that we have that we can declare it and speak it out over our lives and over our kids. And I navigated through that season and it was rough. And I have to tell you that as I've looked at Christmas memories from, you know, that show up in Facebook from 10 years ago, this time 10 years ago is when I was getting ready to start chemo. I had gone through treatment and here I am 10 years later. And I did see that daughter walk across the stage at her graduation. And next year, she'll be a senior in college. And I will tell you, I'm very cognizant and aware that my days are not promised, but I do not stand in fear because my God is good. And what he has done and how he has provided and come through for this single mom is amazing um, and nothing short of miraculous. And the last little bit, I will say, Michelle, that God really revealed and has continued to reveal to me is we rise up through connection with others. I love that you and I are connected and we really have only met one other time before on Zoom, but I love that God's people are everywhere. And I think back to that scared mom that didn't want to tell anybody that there were issues in her marriage and stuffed it. God does not call us to do life alone. And this world is isolated right now. 2020 has caused isolation. And I believe more than ever, we need to contend for our relationships. And maybe for you, depending where you live, it doesn't mean meeting in person because of circumstances you know, that you can't control but we can make connection. We can hop on a Zoom. You can have a friend that you are praying with daily over the phone. Uh, if your church is open, which we're blessed that ours is, you can find ways to serve and to volunteer. Connection with people was key in, in me getting outside my circumstances, serving really, uh, and teaching is serving. And it's funny in terms, you you know, you mentioned I'm a health coach that started with trying to honestly take control of my own personal health after cancer, but in helping people navigate their own, that's a form of service too. And when we are able to serve others, our eyes are not so focused inward and God never intends for us to be isolated. Isolation is dangerous there is this inclination to want to keep our junk to ourselves and not share, but tell somebody. You need to tell somebody. If, if you are in a marriage that is hard, you don't need to tell the whole world, but you need to tell someone. If you are struggling, you need to find a friend and tell someone. Because when we are transparent and we bring things to light, that's when God does healing. And that's when we're able to rise above. 
we're able to rise above our circumstances. And so all these years later, I look back and I really do believe that those elements, praise and God's word and connection and community with other people is what has done a work in my heart. It's, it's provided freedom and breakthrough in areas that I didn't know I was in bondage in. Uh, it's provided provision and connection. It's given me opportunity to honestly share and connect with, with people that maybe they feel stuck like I was. And it's also provided healing and forgiveness. Most recently, we went to a Christmas Eve service and my kid said, mom, can we invite dad? 10 years ago, if you would have told me that I would have invited my ex-husband to a Christmas Eve service, I would have, I would have laughed, but we invited him and his significant other. And he still isn't a Christ follower, but it's peaceful. And we took a picture together with, with our kids. And God is always a God of reconciliation. And reconciliation might look different than you thought, but he's always about reconciling our hearts. Because when bitterness and jadedness and hardness is there, nothing can grow there. But when we surrender that part to him, you watch what flourishes. You watch what takes root. And I'm actually believing in a breakthrough and in a redemption Christ story in the life of my ex-husband. You watch. You watch. Well, I will say this. And Michelle, that is such an incredible and beautiful God story that you shared. And the Holy Spirit was moved on you, working through you, because I don't know how uh, sometimes you can keep going through your story without a break. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, you're so on fire for Jesus and it's so igniting. And the wisdom that you are sharing is a gift. It is a gift to another woman or even a man who is listening to this today, um, who's hurting or who needs direction or needs inspiration. And I found even in my own life and in, in the difficulty and struggle in uh, going through a very difficult divorce myself and seeing how the Lord, when you walk in righteousness and when you're doing the right thing, how he comes alongside you, how he provides for you, how he lifts you up as you continue to be obedient and, and the power of praise. I mean, what's so cool is we just recently uh, talked about this topic. So it's a great way to bring this episode in uh, because there's so much in, in that that happens and occurs in our struggles and keeping our eyes on Jesus. And there's so much centering. So I appreciate all that you've shared. It's, it's a beautiful God story. And I know your story is still going and it's still going. So that's, what's amazing. And I heard your great words um, for 2021. I mean, you're talking praise, you're talking worship, you're talking connection, you're talking, you know, authenticity. I hear some wonderful words, word, you know, staying in the word of God, you know, I will say today I had to read, I like you have words of the Bible around me because it's so important because the warfare is so great at times and it is very real, right? Um, today's scripture comes out of Matthew 
and it's 2920. Um, this is from Billy Graham. Um, it was a devotion. And he uh, talks about remembering that Christ is always near us. And the scripture says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we have to remember that God is always there as a Christian, as a believer. He's near to comfort us. He's near to protect us. He's near to guide us, encourage, strengthen, and help, even when we don't, you know, realize it. So I heard that in your story. I'm praising God that you made it through, Michelle, having come out of a relationship where my ex-husband was also in a adultery. He was in adultery. He was in pornography. There's, it's very impacting, unfortunately. Um, but there's such healing and restoration through Jesus Christ and the, the emotional healing you went through. So powerful and an attestment. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time out of your busy schedule to share with my listeners the wonderful work that God has done in your life. And I know that many, many are going to be blessed. And is there anything else that you want to share, Michelle, before we close? Really, the thought that I have this year is, and, and my, my word for the year actually is flourish. I mentioned it. Um, I was really wrestling with my, my word for this year because coming out of 2020, it just, it threw me for a loop, right? And, and I'm a mama bear and, and, to see my kids' plans unravel and some really big things unravel for them, it was it was hard. And I would say to your listeners that one, we never arrive, and God's story continues, and He's still writing your story. And as long as we wake up in the morning and there's breath in our lungs, He's not done with you. And He does not call for us to just get by. He wants us to flourish and thrive. He wants us to flourish and thrive. And so think about what has he called you to do? Where has he planted you? And then bloom and flourish where he has planted you. Uh, and and honestly, in your marriage, as a mom, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're in the workplace, whatever it is he's called you to do, say, okay, God, maybe I'm a construction worker. I'm going to be the best construction worker. I'm going to be the best nurse ever, the best teacher. I'm going to be the best stay-at-home mom. I am going to flourish where I'm at. And so he did not call us to just merely get by. He's called us to thrive. And I really believe, you know, 2021 isn't going to come and magically erase things. We have to choose it. We have to contend. And you are worth contending for. Your relationships are worth contending for, but more than anything, your walk with Christ is worth contending for. He will seek after you, contend for that relationship with Jesus in 2021 and, and flourish in where he's planted you. Well, friends, who could say it better than that? So thank you again, Michelle. This is great closing here. I, I wanted to, again, just bless you in the coming year and just we'll be looking forward to seeing just the continuation of what God is doing in your life. And friends, I will also have this episode available to listen to on our new WordPress site and other information about Michelle. And you can also listen uh, to this podcast on Eternity Ready Radio. It's an internet uh, radio station next Tuesday evening. Um, from 7 to 8 Central Time on your 
And you can also listen to this on your favorite podcast platforms. And also, friends, for those interested, I have a few other Dorinthia Nimitz books left um, for those that are interested in uh, donating. We are giving those out uh, as a blessing. And also, uh, we appreciate you subscribing to our podcast and also giving us feedback. We need your feedback. And if you've been transformed or, you know, God is doing a work in your life as a result of stories such as what we're sharing with Michelle's, we want to hear that. It's important. We want to give God glory too. And now, friends, it's time for Meemaw Moments. Hi, y'all. I'm Sandy Williams, Board Vice President for Altered Stories Ministry, and I'm doing a new segment called Meemaw's Moments. I will be sharing stories about being a Meemaw, which is the name my grandkids gave me, the sweetest of all my names. I keep my grandkids every day. I hope to share some fun stories that I've experienced as well as lessons I've tried to teach, all scattered with biblical principles. I'll share lessons learned that I'll try to translate from my Texas-based childhood and Southern ancestors to my grandchildren's lives today. Sometimes the lesson gets lost in translation, and sometimes it works. Today's segment is called How to Cuss and How to Pray. Have you ever slipped up and said a cuss word or two? For those of you that just shook your head no, all I can say is just bless your heart. There's a good country song out that talks about a loving grandpa that taught his kids how to cuss and how to pray. And that so touches my heart because our grandkids watch us, they listen to us, and they learn how to conduct themselves by watching parents and grandparents and family. Some good behavior, maybe some not so good. I was like a sponge soaking up knowledge all around me, and my grandkids are too. They might have heard me say a cuss word or two. Now, once in a while, no, Kami, don't roll your eyes either. When my, grand, when my grandkids spend the night at Meemaw's house, our routine is to make sure of two things. Teeth are brushed. Maybe we have a little sugar at Meemaw's. And prayers are said. On one particular night, one of my babies had been having a hard week, and he said, I just really don't feel like praying. And we talked, and he let me know that he was upset and couldn't find the words to say to God right then. That just made me smile and took me back to the day my mama helped me work through a time just like this. I remembered standing in our little kitchen and I was mad. No, I don't want to pray about it. My mama turned to address my statement with that mama look. You know, that look that warns you to be very careful about how you intend to continue. You know that look? We were talking about a situation at school and I was angry. My mama thought I should be praying about it and getting my anger in check. I was 16 and my emotions were pretty high. When I told her I was too mad to pray, she said, come here and sit down with me. She held my hands and said, when you're too mad, too sad, or too confused to pray, God tells us in his word to pray like this and we prayed the Lord's Prayer. Now we have always encouraged our children and grandchildren to pray Father God as if He were sitting beside us. Whatever the need was, 
whatever the gratitude needed to be said, talk to God personally. We still encourage everyone to do that. But sometimes you may be too hurt or too sad or confused or just can't find the right words. But the Lord provided just what we needed in His Word. So I've taught my grandkids to memorize Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And in the New King James, it says, In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In this crazy moment in time, if you can't seem to find the words to pray, remember the Lord provided in His Word. Until next time, Meemaw says, Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Until the next show, friends, be heard and be healed. Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org. 